0: Welcome to Hollywood Wolfpack with Kaya Alexander, featuring in depth interviews and insights with professionals in the entertainment business. Get everything you need to navigate your above the line career right here. This podcast is often recorded live in front of Kaya students in the Entertainment Business School. You can find out more at entertainmentbusinessschool.com. Hollywood Wolfpack is the new face of entertainment business wisdom. Enjoy the show.
1: All right. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Kaya Alexander. Here today, a special edition of the podcast because we're going to do a roundtable with uh, John and Matt who are in the house with a bunch of my students as well. And we're going to be talking all things AI and chat GPT. We have some resident experts in the house with us today, and I'm going to turn the microphone over to them so that they can tell you about who they are and what they have been up to. Take it away.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So so uh, I'm John. And this is Matt. Uh, we're brothers, uh, filmmakers, and we're the founders of Story Prism. Um, we have been making movies pretty much all our lives, um, and uh, we write and direct movies together in the Baltimore area. And uh, we got into AI about three years ago, back in 2020, um, when GPT-3 first came out from OpenAI, and we got in their beta program. And Matt and I have a very kind of specific uh, process for our pre-writing and how we do things. We like to outline and really go in-depth and characters. And we always wanted a, a way to kind of automate that, really kind of like like a, having a writing assistant, right? And, and 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 someone to really bounce ideas off of, you know, kind of help us with that. And so we we when chat GPT or sorry, uh, GBD three came out, it was like a light bulb went off. You know, this is like this is something that's like exactly what we've been looking for. And, uh, we, we dive right in and have been, you know, nonstop ever since we started story forism around the same time and, uh, I've been going strong since. Yeah, no, absolutely. What John said. I mean, the reason why we got into this is because we're deeply into writing and filmmaking. I mean, I've been writing since 2012, probably five to six hours every day. We're part of uh, Baltimore charm city film, uh, group, which is the largest film collective in Baltimore now. Uh, They make, I think, at least 20 films, eh, like 20 to 30 films every year, uh, just indie shorts and stuff like that, no budgets. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, when we saw uh, this demonstration of GBT3, it immediately clicked with us that like uh, you could probably do a lot of the prewriting. You can probably get a lot of help with the prewriting just by using this. Um, And so we figured out a way to sort of semi-automate that. And that's what you're seeing with the website today. But we realized going into it that everybody, you know, has their own process for doing it. We were doing it within our own bubble, like the way it works for us. And yeah, that is helpful for some people, but uh, there's just so many different ways to write a story and all of them are, you know, correct. Uh, And so that's kind of the next hurdle that we're trying to overcome is just trying to figure out how to make it not only multimodal so that it can generate, uh, you can generate animations and stuff like that with it, but um, also versatile too, in terms of being able to help the specific individual based on how, you know, they write in their writing process. So, yeah, we're definitely coming at it from like writer filmmaker perspective, as opposed to the other way around.
1: How do you feel or how do you speak to writers for whom they're really anti-AI? I mean, this is a contentious moment in time for AI with writers, especially given the strike and what's on the table.
2: Yes. Um, Well, so I would say that it shouldn't. So I I would say this, if I'm going to be frank, we should be very concerned about the pace of this growth right so this is exponential and that is going to create a lot of problems not just for writers but everybody across the board and so instead of um looking at it fearfully i think we should look at it the same way we look at like a tsunami you know it is coming and there's nothing we can do about it and so we need to figure out what is that new world going to look like and um i and john and and several other people in this space like we view the biggest issue that everybody is going to have to overcome is this world where the marginal cost of production and also uh, uh, being able to write a screenplay is going to be much easier for a lot of people to do. So similar to the way like YouTube creators go, right? So like back in the day, it was very hard to start like a podcast show. Now anybody can do it. So we are entering that world. However, the thing is, you know, not every podcaster has millions of views, right? Not every podcaster is able to monetize themselves. And uh, and so story and the ability to be able to tell a story extremely well is always gonna be important. That's never going to go away, Um, but it is going to be uh, the competition is going to drastically expand. And so then writers, I think, in my opinion, uh, are going to need to pick up a whole set of other skills and they don't necessarily have to be an expert at every single skill set, but they should have a decent understanding of marketing, uh, sales, producing, cinematography and directing as well. Uh, while still continuing to be an expert, you know, on page and writing. Uh, because, you know, I, I feel like this is really just going to foster, like, uh, like, a personal studio revolution, where mm-hmm. it's just going to be individuals creating Hollywood-like quality films, and it's just going to be everywhere. So how do you stand out? Well, you got to be really, really, really great at telling a story, and also being able to market and sell that and monetize that. So you have to be an entrepreneur at the same time.
1: So how has uh, using ChatGPT helped your writing?
2: Um, well, so in terms of writing so far, like it's streamlined a lot of things. So it's really great at condensing uh, very fat action lines, right? Because you want to kind of try to keep that, you know, to one to two sentences. And that can be very challenging. Um, but it can pretty much be helpful in a whole range of things from like identifying subtexts coming up with suggestions to connect uh, the subtext in your action and dialogue to the central message of your story. Uh, that's something that a lot of people don't realize that GPT can, can do, but it absolutely can do that. Uh, the thing is that in order to get it to do that, you have to really have a good understanding of prompt designing, as well as a really good understanding of what subtext actually is and how it does connect to a central message. Um, if you can understand those things and you're able to instruct it very, very meticulously, like you basically, it, it, I mean, it's just like constructing a story. You have to create this logical matrix for it to understand exactly what you want. And then it can do that. Um, so that, yeah. Give us an example. I'm sorry. Give us an example. Oh yeah. So an example, uh, say you wanted to, come up with a very strong central message, right? So if you go on ChatGPT right now and you say, give me a central message for based on this log line, it's gonna come up with crap. And the reason why is because you haven't really clearly defined what a central message is. A central message uh, in its totality, you know, is a moral dialectic, right? Or um, I think uh, Hegel came up with it. It was called a Hegelian dialectic where you pretty much define what the protagonist believes about the world philosophically believes about the world at the beginning of the story and then you figure out what the antagonist believes about the world uh, throughout the story which should be the antithesis of what the protagonist believes and then the central message is the synthesis of that so if you can understand the nitty-gritty breakdown of what a central message is and you instructed what this is and what you needed to do then you can Get it to very easily come up with a very strong, arguable philosophical belief that is a synthesis between what the protagonist believes and the antagonist believes. Um, yeah, I mean, and then, you know, also uh, we just figured out a way to develop a three act plot structure, right? Uh, based on, you know, certain characteristics of the story, uh, including the central message and log line and everything like that. Um, Uh, But, yeah, no, I mean, it can pretty much do just about everything you need it to do. It can come up with beat sheets. Um, You can, you know, have it write action lines for you and stuff. The thing about it is that it is based off of probability, Uh, so it's not always going to be accurate, and it's going to kind of do its own thing. And so it's really, like, the way you kind of have to look at it is you're not necessarily instructing it so much as you're kind of collaborating with it just like you would with a person who just has a hard time understanding what you're trying to do you know uh so it's going to mess up a lot and that's where the you know the expertise comes in for you to properly evaluate that and then make the changes that you need to make um, but you know uh on a note though i, I will say this i don't think A lot of writers, though, are really going to be using AI for writing so much. I think they're going to use it for streamlining. And I think the people who are going to use AI are going to be like filmmakers, cinematographers and stuff like that. People who don't know how to write.
1: Interesting. Um, You know, yeah, we've seen on Twitter um, hilarious examples of, hey, chat GPT, write a scene about blah or X, you know, and it it just spits out garbage (laughs)
0: Um,
1: and it sounds like though you know that's what of course writers are afraid of is that studios are going to go oh we don't need any writers because the software can just write a whole story but it sounds like if I'm interpreting you correctly that you feel like that it really needs writers to be at the helm and it you can use it as a tool are you visualizing it being utilized as a tool inside of writers rooms for individual writers like what's your vision here
2: I I think so. Yeah, I think uh, I think that um, you know, uh, just like uh, Wikipedia or or, or like like uh, like the internet, right, is like a resource. Writers use the research, you know, and to find things and to connect and stuff like that. I think AI is going to be I'm
1: old it. enough that I remember back when the internet was extremely unreliable yeah. and we were right. not allowed <laughs> to use it for research. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And,
2: you know, and it's actually funny because now you know people are saying ChatGPT makes up things and AI makes up stuff. You know, it's kind of like you know, but now the internet is a reliable resource, you know, for, for certain sites, right? So in the future, AI will be reliable, you know, it just have to work on the kinks on that. Um, but yeah, but I, I, I do see it more as a tool uh, utilized by writers versus something that's just going to write screenplays and kind of churn them out. Because I don't think people are going to want that, you know, honestly, like, it's one of those things where like, you know, a lot of you know, producers and stuff like that are, are probably dreaming of, of that scenario, right? And kind of like where it's happening. But I really think that this is going to wind up being like the same movies all over and over and not, no originality. And I think the originality comes from the human element. That's where the creativity is. And I think that's what audiences are going to crave, you know, and, and desire. Yeah, I think there's going to be like, I think the the industry is really going to be like a duality between, you know, your McDonald's food, Right that's just quick, easy, cheap, it's available. Hey, I have 30 minutes to eat, you know, and scarf something down and watch something before I have to go back to work. And then there's the content that you're gonna wanna actually sit down and really pay attention to. And you're gonna really value that because it's, it's you know, human made, maybe with assistance with AI and stuff like that. But um, those are stories that are really gonna be cherished. And I think also with the advances in AI, You know, we're not just talking about the industry. We're talking about the economy. That's going to change completely. Um, The concept of a business, right, and how to even make money, all of this is just going to be completely appended. And so I think we also need to rethink, like, how people are going to just, you know, continue making money uh, through their creative pursuits. And my speculation is that, my hope is that, you know, fans and creators will form a symbiosis where fans want newer, more outrageous, crazier content that the siloed-off distribution companies aren't going to want to do because it's not safe, right? Um, And then I think creators are going to want investors, right, Uh, to be able to invest in, you know, themselves and their projects and stuff. And so I think, if you just get a stronger connection between the fans and the creators where the fans can invest and the creators can create and help grow yeah uh everybody's investment right every i mean you, you already see the trends right with like patreon yeah create the creator economy youtube right people are making a living doing this stuff and i think that you know right now for screenwriters and filmmakers like the only avenue is outside of you know getting lucky in the indie world is, is getting lucky in the hollywood system right and i think that that's going to append and change dramatically where now you're going to see a lot more people being able to do it themselves right. um, which is empowering
1: at the basis level it's going to revolutionize only fans
3: <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yes yeah i'll yeah.
1: probably be the first place we see like the explosion of growth yeah and yeah. subscribers <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: that's true yeah
1: the um have you been contacted by studios i want to play devil's advocate here for a minute i mean are are you are you the workaround that studios are looking for when it comes
2: uh, to no we, we haven't been contacted by any studios we did we mm-hmm. well we did get contacted by something it was like a very mysterious email like the guy saying like i'm i'm a i'm a you know well-known uh, producer and I'm, I'm looking to see if your system could work it is this is like when we first started but if that never panned out like you know it was kind of a bizarre email but um uh, outside of that, no, we have not been contacted with studios or anything like that. So.
1: I'm curious, like who your who's going to be your customer? Is it going to be the studio who subscribes for their writers' rooms, or are you looking at individual, um, you know, B two C customers being actual writers?
2: We're our primary uh, target is is B two uh, C, so we're looking at consumers, and so our our um, our hope is to basically create a, a platform that is. Is essentially a blend of interactive entertainment and and um, uh, powerful tools for writers. And so the idea is that you could use the tools alone as a standalone uh, thing to help you if you'd like, or in, in addition to that, we want to introduce a community element where you can you can you can take elements of your story and share them with the community, and people can take them and remix them and and really have fun and kind of develop their own chatbots and develop their own interactive entertainment um, outside of your story um the the like
1: like fanfic i'm not sure i'm telling you i I would actually
2: i would say it's more like uh meme movies yeah right it's a new so it's like you have memes right that like the original meme is out there and then it gets remixed a million times we're looking to do that um for people who may be interested in doing that obviously not everybody's interested in sharing you know their stories in that way because they, you know, they want it to be this uh, one singular thing. Um, but I think there's an interesting opportunity to, you know, uh, reexamine how we enjoy movies because right now, like, you know, movies are very monolithic, right? It's just there's a beginning, middle, and end, and that's it. Uh, but with the internet and with AI and all these other tools. I think there's a real possibility where you can get like remixed versions of John Wick instead of just John Wick one, two, three, four. It's, right. you know, whatever you want it to be. Right. Or, or, or somebody's original version of that. Obviously, John Wick's copyright. You know, you, you, there's a lot of legal things to consider. Yeah, religion. no doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but the idea is that somebody could create, you know, if, if somebody wanted to create a character and they don't necessarily have a story, that they have this character that they really want to create, they can create an AI version of that as a chatbot submit it to the community. Somebody else can take that character, put it into a story. And it, the, the big vision of that would be that, you know, they, <clears> they <throat> could potentially get a dividend for that if, if it goes somewhere, right? right. And that would be through blockchain and, and other uh, uh, tokenization elements. Um, it's
1: making me think of uh, Hatsune Miko. Do you know who Hatsune Miko is?
2: Name sounds familiar. Okay. It sounds familiar. Yeah. She,
1: she's basically the biggest pop star in Japan, but she's a hologram. And it's a open it's an open source uh, opportunity for any songwriters can write songs for her. And then as a hologram, she performs concerts and they're massive. They're sold out. She's a huge pop star and she's not a real human being. <laughs> she's got this amazing long blue hair all the way to her ankles and, you know, perform shows and stuff. And I could see the AI going that direction where if you create a memorable character like a Hatsune Miko, who has suddenly a huge fan base, um, you know, and it's on a subscriber model. That would just be a completely a, a really interesting revolution for individual writers, filmmakers, you know, creators. Sure. Where it goes on to have a, li- have a life of its own like she does. She has a life of her own with all her fans participating yeah. in her and um, in, in her songs.
2: Oh, wow, that's really yeah. cool. Wow. That is amazing. And yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of possibilities. Like, you know, I mean, it sounds kind of weird, but supplanting yourself in the movie, right? And then,
1: I do not want to supplant myself. In I would league. never
2: want to do uh, that. that. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> like, not,
1: do I know. Things. I know that my eleven-year-old may want to.
2: Yeah. yeah. Got it. No, but I mean, that'd be a cool gift <laughs> to share to your friend. Like, hey, look, you're Superman <laughs> for your birthday. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah,
1: that's a really good point.
2: Yeah. yeah
1: i love that 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 kind of creation um well tell us a little bit more about how the software actually works because i know the folks who are listening um, may not be able to visualize what you mean you know by these prompts so help us understand what you actually designed within the software how it would help a writer
2: yeah absolutely so our um initial site right now uh, essentially takes a writer through the process of taking a vague idea and breaking that out into a fully formed three act structure so Um, you start with giving the AI a little description of your story and it breaks it down, asks you questions, right, into (laughs) foreign prompts. And um, eventually you come up with a log line and a central message. And those two elements are used throughout the rest of the tools in order to help the AI understand. So as as you complete each tool, the AI gets smarter so it understands what your story is about. So there's
1: a progression.
2: Exactly, right, there's a progression. So you finish the first set of tools it it knows you know your story a little bit and it it gets better and better as you go through and um you know this is like version one of our of our software um we're like like we kind of described previously we're we're going to be building it out even even bigger so we're going to have um everything is going to be essentially chat gpt like but very very fine-tuned for screenwriters and then introducing that community element where people can Can share stories and and elements of of their created AI with um, um, other users if they choose to. Yeah, so basically it's going to mimic going on like, you know, uh, what is it? The old MSN chat, right? Uh, Or Yahoo chat where it's like you're texting your friend. Hey, I need some help with this, man. Like, you know, I'm working on the story right now. This is where I'm at. You know, this is what I need. And then it can say, oh, well, here's some ideas for how you can, um, <clears throat> let's see, how how you might be able to, you know, get rid of this on the nose dialogue, right? Like some alternative dialogue to make it more authentic, right? Um, you know, uh, there, there's just all sorts of things you can do with that. But that's basically what the tools were, that's what we're converting the tools into. And then basically that's going to act as like a memory bank for this mega chat bot That's going to be your story so you're going to be able to chat with your story in many different ways and you can have conversations with your characters um you can build your story because these are just the foundational elements your plot outline you don't have your story beats in and so this can help you build the story beats individually and you know bring it down all the way down to uh, the scenes uh, from beginning to end that's sort of the big vision for where we want to go and then you can share that and allow other people to interact with it and then remix it, uh, their own story based off of the foundational elements that you've created.
1: Will the community be inside of your platform?
2: Uh, correct, yeah.
1: It, it, like you subscribe and then you get access to the tools and the community?
2: Yeah, yeah, we, we haven't quite figured out that model yet. Um, but uh, the idea is that there will be different tiers of subscriptions, right? So, you know, tier one, you know, would get you this, tier two would get you that. Um, and we're, we haven't quite figured out if the community should be a part of the tier, or if it's just like anyone can kind of come in and see it, you know, regardless of, you know, if they paid or not. Um, but yeah, we're still working on that that particular. Yeah, and you don't also you don't have to opt into it anyway. I mean, you could always like just, just use, use the, the tools, tools right. and then you know share your ideas in the community or whatever. But you don't have to share your story. Right, right. So, so yeah, yeah, so 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 that is a big vision. You know, obviously, right now we don't have the community element. We don't have all that. We have very simple tools using AI to basically act as as a writing assistant, essentially to help you.
1: Interesting. Yeah. This moment in time really reminds me of the moment in publishing where you could publish a book on Amazon directly. And one of the first books that got really, really famous was The Night Circus, where she just said, I'm going to give away my book for free on this new platform, which was Kindle. She gave it away for free, which everyone was like, what? You can't just give a book away. That's crazy. And exploded. And she got millions of downloads. And all of a sudden she had a publishing deal and she was like on Oprah and stuff like that. There it's a moment of like people who can harness this opportunity in this moment. Uh, it, I think it could be really interesting I and splashy. I'm not sure quite what's going to happen, but um, one of my Questions for you is: Do you have proof proof of concept yet? Like, have you gone soup to nuts on one of your projects through through this through using AI? Uh,
2: uh what are you, are you talking about? Uh, one of our writing projects? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I've been. Uh, so you know, obviously, we need to uh, stress test it. So we have to create all the elements organically. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm uh, writing a story right now. Um, that basically deals with a uh, Darfurian refugee um, who uh, is in America now and he's working as a janitor and somehow he ends up like saving this rich person's life and he gets swept into their lives as like their personal assistant Um, and it ends up spiraling into this crazy, you know, crazy thriller where you know the wife uh you know tries to hire him the murder the husband and stuff like that we're still working it out and everything but uh yeah no gbt has uh definitely been really helpful in terms of like the researching side of it um obviously it's not 100 percent accurate so you have to like verify that but because i didn't know anything about Darfur um, I needed a starting point for where I could research. So it was able to help me find yeah. like the right reading material. Yeah, so. absolutely. And, and I think we, we, we use it to help really flesh out the characters. Like in Story Prism, we use the, our character builder uh, to help us really kind of get the character beats down. We can get, get the desire line, get you know what the, the, the goal of the character was, and really help flesh that out, which is yeah, really, right. really helpful. And, and in the plot designer tool as well, it helped us kind of flesh out how those beats would kind of come together so it's been super helpful yeah but like i said it's just really a skeletal structure so it's not something that like oh okay cool we press generate it works let's take it it. it." It, it, it it's like now it's like a good framework that now we can like kind of build inside i think that's a good point too it's 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 the idea of you know pressing a button and having a screenplay generated i think that's that's something that we're trying to avoid right and so our tools and what we're using ai for is is really as a, as an assistant as something that really can help streamline your process and and get you thinking about your ideas in a different way you know going through this process writing this one the story that we're working on really using the ai has really helped us like come up with new ideas and things that we didn't even think about which is really interesting um so that's that's really exciting and and um you know if it was just a button you press and your movie's done i mean there's no fun in that you know so yeah. Yeah.
1: Cool. I'm going to pass the microphone over to Kawan.
4: Hey, John Matt. Hello, Mailenders. Um, my name is Kawan Glover. I'm an author and screenwriter, and I write stories about characters moving from overly ambitious characters moving from Christ to grace. Now, as I listen to this talk, I'm just fascinated about where this whole AI thing can go. But I want you both to take this plane ride with me up to 35,000 feet, and like, I, if I were to count, I would have been sure I would have bet money that we've said the word AI over 75 times this whole conversation. So where you're seated on that plane and looking down, I think definitions of words are very important. So people increase their understanding. When I hear AI, I just think Skynet. I think machines shooting us and we're running for our lives. Can you tell us from your perspective what actually is AI and in 10 years, if you had everything you needed, everything matched up, your, your programs are working perfectly, what does your software look like at, at 100% maximum capacity?
2: Mm. That's, a, that's a great question. I think, um, yeah, you, AI is definitely a marketing term. I think it's really just something that people use to kind of uh, describe this. It's, it's the, the, I guess the, the correct te- technical term would be uh, large language models. And those, those are really, you know ai it's not technically ai because ai is is um you know sentient right it can think for itself and do things like this so this is a very advanced uh, text predictor i guess is what you could say um something that can take an input and predict what happens and that's that's kind of really what where it is now the it the same thing applies not to language, not just the language, but also the images. And that's where you get like mid journey and things like that. So it's, it's, it's exact same description, right? It's predicting, um, but it's, but it's taking in an image and predicting what that image is going to look like or taking text and converting it to an image. It's not, it's not, it's not artificial intelligence necessarily. It's, it's, it is intelligent it is kind of an AI system, but it's not, what you would think of as, as true AI, right? Yeah, it's more like a, it's more like mimicking it, yeah. right. So, right. or more like the infant stages of AI. So exactly. it's almost like it's not the full part of the brain, but it's a part of the brain that can mimic <clears throat> everything else, consciousness. Um, and so that's why you get like a lot of variables and like weird stuff that happens because really what it's doing is it's just taking like the compilation of all of its knowledge uh, from everything it's learned from uh, from patterns, right, and language and everything, and the written words. And then based off of an input of instructions or whatever, then it can predict based off of its knowledge, like, OK, what does it need to output uh, based on these instructions? And so that's why it's like, uh, well, that's why it just seems very advanced. I mean, it is uh, pretty advanced. But in terms of like where we see ourselves at least 10 years down the road, like where we wanna be. Um, Honestly, like I'll be frank, I mean, just seeing how this unfolds, it's gotten me worried to the point where I think we really need to think about like finding uh, a real solution for creators. And I see because because the marginal cost of production and marketing is gonna go down and because everybody's gonna have a whole slew of personal assistants at their disposal, I think the economic models that we have right now, like centralized studios, I just don't think that they're going to work for everybody. You know what I mean? I think they're going to have some in-house people, right? That are going to help them like curate their stuff, but then everybody else is going to be left at the dust. And so we need a plan B. And so we're looking into AI to try to help, you know, come up with that. Um, And for us, it's really just, you know, like laterally decentralized structures where value is created between the partnerships of creators and fans, right? Because if you think about it, right, if if you're living in a world where like 60 or 70% of the jobs are outsourced, right, that's a lot of jobs, which means not only the government has to do something about that, i.e. a UBI, but it also takes away um, this sense of purpose, that is deeply important not just to creators but everybody across the board and i think one viable option for that is to allow anybody to be able to invest in any creator any movie they want right like why you know why is it only a few shareholders that are taking a piece of the pie right uh for these large studios i see um new businesses, uh, and hopefully ours, uh, turning into DAOs, which are decentralized autonomous organizations. So instead of having a company where you have a few shareholders essentially calling these broad shots, the shareholders now are all of the users who are using the platform from the creators to the fans. And so that holds the managers of these companies accountable, right? Uh, the people who are actually running, you know, these things and making these, you know, decisions all the time. And so if they start making decisions that aren't very favorable to the fans and creators, well, money talks. And so now they can take their money and they can walk away from this platform and and then that'll just completely devalue it, right? Um, And so I, I think, honestly, that's really where I would like to see studios go, like in an idealistic sense is, you know, instead of large centralized studios you have large uh dows where films are you know created through the direct investments of fans right and, and and since the cost will go down right it's it's one of those things where um you know you'll have a lot more creators being able to make a living because you'll be able to um essentially be able to, to take smaller investments rather than having you know a movie costing hundred million dollars, the same quality movie in theory would cost much less than that, right? Like a lot less, you know. Especially if it's AI generated. So then that's that's where you know the 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 support and the money goes directly to the to the creator and the creators of that, versus like having this to to use it for 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 various resources. So, um, yeah, I think it's an exciting future, and I think that's where we're we're gonna be.
1: Interesting answer. You know, it reminds me, I had Paul Scanlon on the show a couple of weeks ago, who is the founder of Legion M and Legion M is a disruptor in the movie business. I don't know if you've worked with them at all or connected with them at all, but yeah, they're fan sponsored and supported. That's how they're creating the films and deciding on the films that they're making.
2: Yeah. Yeah. i I've, I've... I've actually heard of them that's 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 really interesting that you spoke to them. that's part of that's where awesome. yeah, yeah that's a lot of where the impetus came from yeah there's an
1: intersection there that i think is really interesting i'll have to introduce you to paul
2: yeah absolutely
1: yeah i'm going to pass the microphone over to ryan thomas riddle
3: but this guy I said i'm ryan thomas riddle i'm an award-winning journalist uh screenwriter writer of science fiction and noir and what i really like is your approach here as a tool, because I've used ChatGPT only for research. I won't let it do any of the writing, Um, but we've seen a lot of technologists, AI experts, quote unquote, uh, at the table, determining what this technology will be for everyone. And I'm not sure I'm seeing a lot of actual writers like you and I, Uh, So if you had to create your version of the three laws of robotics, like Asimov, but for AI and its use in Hollywood, what would those be? That's
2: a great question. I would say, uh, one, a human uh, must always be involved. That's number one. Um, I would say... Um two the uh, ethical use is is pri- priority, right? It's it has to be ethical. No be ethical. stealing work. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Ethically trained, right? Like um everyone gets what's oh, you know, like it's fair, right? And um no stealing work off the internet and training it, you know, without telling anyone. Um and uh what do you think number three? Well, I would say also, you know be ethical in the kind of films that you create right yeah because i mean yeah yeah, yeah. that's a good one you know i mean look it's great to be edgy you want to be edgy right and you want to like push the envelope you want to make people feel right and a lot of that stuff is disgusting but you know at the same time i mean there are many ways that you can like you know i mean like with ai for instance like there's a real chance that in the future it could You know very much so understand us way 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 better than it can understand than we can understand it and then it can use psychology to create films that can make you emotionally feel something in a way to influence you to behave in in certain ways as well uh you know so things like that like i think absolutely need to be mitigated um but you know they're uh you know unfortunately we have to leave that to the ai developers more so than the you know people who are using that AI to create services? Um, yeah, that was a good question. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't really think about that because I figured like, oh, the people building the machine should be thinking about that, so we don't have. Yeah, no, no, but that's I mean, I mean, actually well, very our, our intention for sure is like you know we're 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 small now, but we absolutely intend to 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 be a part of that you know the the building of of AI eventually, right? Yeah. So you know it's very very difficult to do now, but um, uh, we definitely hope to be part of that for sure.
3: Awesome. Thanks, guys. That was a great answer.
2: Yeah, thank you,
1: Ryan. Yeah, great question, Ryan. Thank you so much. Okay, Tim, microphones, all yours.
5: Hey, guys. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, My name is Tim O'Leary. My brand is Murder and Gay Stuff. I'm an indie queer horror filmmaker. Um, So I'm actually very interested in what you're talking about of this sort of possible future where everything is decentralized and people can find sort of niche forms of entertainment. Um, And I was gonna ask about that, but then you said something, I'm gonna ask about something else instead. Um, The ethics of it, you say no stealing. How how does AI create anything of the written word beyond uh, stealing? isn't that sort of what it is? I mean, doesn't it sort of take from everything that already exists without the permission of the people that wrote it?
2: Yes. So it's actually in a very gray area because it's never been done before. So uh, a lot of people think that what AI is, is it just has this database, right? And then it... You know, based off of uh, somebody's request, it goes into the database and it, you know, takes this bit from Emily Dickens, it takes this bit from, like, Edgar Allan Poe, and, it, you know, whatever, and it appendages it together like a Frankenstein, right? Um, but in reality, what it's doing is you're feeding it data to train, and then you're taking that data away. And so the data isn't there, and it's literally basing everything off of its own knowledge, and it's not querying, you know, from specific texts. The whole point of AI is to create novel things, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, I mean, it's you know, some of them can be buggy and whatnot because we're in the early stages and what and whatnot, um, but. You know, Most of what it outputs is very novel. In fact, with image generators, I tested it out myself you know, with Stable Diffusion. I specifically looked up an artist where they use that artist's training data, and it's a very famous artist, Ross Tran. Uh, very wonderful, actually. Um, and I took one of his paintings, the exact title, and then I typed it in, in the whole description of it to see if it could make a copy of it. It couldn't even come anywhere close it, because it did its own version of it. So it can take styles, right? So it can write in the style of Edgar Allan Poe, um, but it's it, it doesn't take direct text unless you need it as a quote, right? Now, again, they are buggy, right? So with GBT3 and stuff like that sometimes, yeah, I mean, it can uh, give a quote from a text, right? A direct quote that's famous or whatever, and then it won't put it in quotations and it won't specify that that was a quote. So, yeah, that could be an egg on your face thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But long term, it's in every company's best interest who serves writers not to create something that is going to allow people to like copy your work. You know what I mean? Um, like, that's just bad business, right? And the, the moment somebody proves that, oh, hey, don't put your stories on here because people can copy it or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean that's that that's definitely something you know no company can do if they want to survive. Um, but having said that, you know there is an argument to be made about the idea of ownership in general with AI as it advances, because as more and more content is out there, right, more and more people are contributing. Well, that becomes a problem. And so we're, uh, we got a lot of friends in the blockchain space, and they're actually trying to figure out solutions to create uh, not only auto copywriting and stuff like that on a blockchain. So it can automatically flag if somebody has a story that's way too similar to this, um, but it can also, you know, give auto dividends based off of any amount of ideas, right? So you could be on a forum and somebody says, Oh, I'm trying to, you know, get the protagonist to do XYZ, but how do I get past this? A random user could just give a great idea that you love, you put it in there. If your movie ends up making money, then you know, I mean it may be pennies or whatever, but that small dividend just automatically goes to that person's digital wallet. They didn't even think about it. They don't even know where it came from. It's just, oh yeah, because I'm a contributor and I contribute ideas all the time and people love them and they take them, I'm not able to make a little bit of passive income with that. And so that, that could be like a solution to mitigating like copyright issues for at least like a lot of the smaller everyday things. I mean, obviously if it's a big company that, you know, is making a Marvel movie, I don't think they have any problem with copyright, but you know, for smaller guys like us. Yeah. I mean, that totally could be an issue because I don't know about you but i throw a lot of stuff out there right yeah because, same you know yeah sure so. yeah
5: absolutely yeah i don't know but yeah, yeah it was a good question i, I mean it's you. yeah i don't not to belabor the point it's just that's something that i've been struggling with really ever since chat gpt really started to take off is that because to your point it's not actually artificial intelligence it is in fact an amalgamation of everything that has already existed the part i struggle with is that it's based on work that's been fed into it that was never given permission by the original authors for their work to be you know yeah. to be put and, into this but i also understand that that dam has already burst i know that we're we're full speed ahead in this so that's that's just where i'm trying to find out ethically morally where uh, we kind of stand but also to your point potentially legally going forward seeing you know what could possibly happen
2: yeah, and I think there should be like an like an opt in function too for that, right? So, yeah. you know, going forward, it's like you know whatever platform you're using, it should be known that hey, your data is used for training to enhance the model, um, right? You know, yeah, and, opt in or or opt out. You know, yeah, uh, exactly. That. And then you could like still use the platform without having your data being used. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Or you know, the potential model could be that we, you know, uh, uh, you get paid to use your data, right? So that's one of the things that that is too, yeah. is you know, with Facebook, you know, like they they just took your data without telling you, and they didn't, and then it became a huge thing, right? And a huge controversy. But you know, if they if they said, Hey, you know, we're gonna use your data. Right. Um, and then, and then they had a, a payment model or, or, or something like that, you know, I think that, that, that could have been pretty interesting. And I think a lot more people would have been minimal to that, but
5: yeah. 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 But, I mean, cause even with that, allegedly I have a check coming to me because of Facebook cause
3: I opted yeah. in. But, <laughs> hey, yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly.
5: <laughs> right. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, the, the thing in the 21st century, right. Data is a new oil, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it is, it is something that, you know, as consumers, right, you need to be aware of and and, and, and and kind of like responsible, right, of, of how your data is getting out there and who's using it. And also as companies, it's like, you know, ethically using data and informed, right, right informing people how you're using it clearly, not just like in the terms and conditions and like a, a thousand sub <laughs> Subnote, right, that's like <laughs> difficult to read. But, um, yeah, that's going to be very interesting. Thanks. <laughs> yeah.
1: Tim and I were having an interesting conversation about this to piggyback on that about what happens ethically in the situation wherein we have been working so hard to get marginalized voices in the writers' room. It's so important to us. I'm also bi and queer, and Tim is gay. We were chatting about you know people of color and LGBTQ, and you know the what these large language models could mean for us is that we're not included at the table within the writer's room because you can ask chat GPT what that experience is like. And you know we have some concerns about those boundaries. Do you um, have any comments about that?
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely. That is a concern today because to develop these large language models costs millions of dollars, right? The thing that terrifies these companies, uh, one of the things that terrifies them uh is the fact that there's going to be a point very soon where it's going to be incredibly cheap for anybody to make these models so it's going to be kind of like the websites right where it's not just one monolithic website or whatever it's just tons and tons and tons of websites for anybody to use for whatever use they have so i feel like uh you know different communities are going to have their own AIs uh, for what they need it for, you know? So I think that's definitely going to help solve it. I mean, I think, I think a lot of the issues that, you know, that we've been playing with for, you know, so long is just the fact that, you know, there's, you know, there's uh, certain constituents, right, that just have a lot of leverage over creators. And because of that, you know, certain conditions have to be met. And then that can homogenize things, that can marginalize voices, uh, that can cancel entire, you know, groups of people out of the equation altogether. And so with, you know, AI and decentralization, I think we can come back to like a much more pluralistic, you know, film community. Yeah. You know, like and a supercharged any community is what I've i'm hoping for it. yeah I, I, absolutely fine. and and i was I, w- I would also add to that and say that you know i think this the if the studios do plan to do that they're going to have a rude awakening with the you know the backlash of audiences right i mean because yeah, absolutely they're going to have these models if they attempt to do something like uh, as you suggested then that's going to be you know it's it's going to come up with, with with stereotypes and things like this right which aren't necessarily you know uh, these lived experiences and and so then you're gonna you know audiences are going to sense that and then that's going to hurt the box office, right? It's going to hurt the stories, and it hurt 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 the the these um um the you know, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the the movie as a whole. And I think that that's going to be you know <laughs> real shame, you know, if if they attempt to do something like that. And I think that's yeah. But yeah. but 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 to Matt's point, you know, these language models are going to be a lot more accessible to people, and a lot more um, trainable. And in, in, in things like this.
1: heterogeneous, kind of so, Right, yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Tim, how would you respond to that? What are your thoughts and feelings about it? And then we'll go to Ray.
5: Yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of like the conversation we were having um, a little while ago with uh, another gentleman who, who came largely from the AI space.
3: Yeah, I know.
5: Yeah. Um, and uh, I think. It, there didn't seem to be too much of an ethical quandary on his part um, when he was saying, "Oh well, if I don't have the experience of a young woman growing up in Nigeria, I'll, I'll just figure it out yeah. by borrowing from the collective experience," which is inherently problematic. I think right. we can all agree. Yeah. And you know, for I, in the past ten years, the major conversation in Hollywood has been has been about who is in the room when we're creating these stories, particularly television, because they work on a writer's room model. And so if you're going to have a television show that features a Nigerian woman, there better be a Nigerian woman in that writer's room so that she can talk about it from her own lived experience and bring her actual life to it. Yeah, It seems... And the thing is, having diverse writer's rooms has been... Such di- such a difficult push for everybody, and the studios have not been embracing it. So the fact that there might be this workaround would be very appealing to I think a lot of studio heads. And um, so that's I, it's it's pretty nerve wracking if, if we're being honest. Yeah. Because we could just see the already marginalized voices become yep. even more marginalized, and even you know it's even harder for them to get into the rooms. So
2: yeah, you know, 100%. yeah, hundred percent. And I think the solution is just is the ability for everybody to be able to roll their sleeves up and make it happen the way they need it to happen for themselves and their communities, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks, Tim. Let's go to Ray.
2: Uh, Hi there. I'm uh, Ray Keller. I'm an award-winning screenwriter um, and my brand is Socially Impactful Stories. And uh, I was curious about your, your model where you are able to eventually, you know, in 10 years or whatever, Um, the screenwriter or fans could come up with ideas and create this idea and AI would assist you in building a screenplay and then um, it sounds like it would just create the film from that too is that include actors at all what is the actor equation in there are they going to be artificially generated Uh, and is there a future for actor acting yeah, I, absolutely. I, I think there absolutely is a, is a future for, for acting because I, I think that, you know, one of the things is, you know, if so, I, I'll give you an example. I, I, I grew up kind of making making movies by myself, right? It's like, like Matt and I collaborate, but, you know, I, I uh, you know, was trained as a DP, an editor and, you know, sound mixer, all these things. Um, when I make a movie and I try to do it all by myself, it's, it's a lot worse than if I'm not collaborating with other people. Right. So if, if I, as a, if AI becomes so advanced that anyone can, can use a tool to create Hollywood quality movies, you know, on their laptop, um, I think they're still going to need the input of other people. And they're still going to need, you know, like actors bring something to a movie that writers and directors, you know, don't right? It's like they bring something else in that collaborative process and so i think that you know when it comes to the actor's role in that i think that you know a lot of tools using using motion capture right a lot of tools um using um um you know the the actor's voice you know the actor's kind of um intonations and things like this i think that's going to play a, a heavy role into into um you know, AI generated movies, but, 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 but I would also, you know, say that in, in kind of preface this, that I, I I don't necessarily think that AI generated movies are going to take over movies, right? I think that movies are going to exist and you're going to have a new thing called AI generated movies. So it's just going to be a blend. It's, it's essentially like how video games came out. That's a new entertainment. Now you have AI generated content. It's just a new entertainment. I think you're still going to see movies, and those are still going to exist. Um, it's just going to be this this other thing, which will, will also be there. But um, creators from the movie industry can also make AI-generated movies if they want to, and vice versa. So, but then also... <laughs> Well, uh, also thinking about, like, uh, a life without purpose, too, right? Because, like, we take that for granted today because most of us have jobs, right? Even if we don't have the ideal job that we want, we still have a job that, like, makes us feel important. So what happens when everybody has that taken away from them? I think that is really going to push people into creative spaces like filmmaking and whatnot for sure.
1: Yeah, interesting. I think Juan's got a follow-up comment or question.
2: Oh, yeah,
4: yeah. Uh, Yeah. So again, as I said before, when I hear AI, I just think Skynet and I think robots chasing us across the the country. Um, So my question here is kind of like two extremes. In your opinion, and I'll keep it related to the screenwriter. So as writers, as we move into this AI space, what is the worst case scenarios? Or scenario, your doomsday scenario, and what is your, like, oh, my God, this is euphoric scenario. Like, what's the best case, in your opinion?
2: Great question. Um, I'd say worst-case scenario is, you know, studios become more centralized, and everyone gets screwed, and AI is making movies, and, you know, uh, the studio exec is pressing a button and making a movie. Um, or – there you know a, a lot of what you know one, one of the arguments or, or sorry one, one, one of the things that the the uh, writer strike is about is 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 preventing um studios from having a rough draft script and giving it to a writer to kind of spruce up and then and then having that be there and basically less work for the writer i think that is the worst case scenario as well um but uh i think that you know doing so is again the audience backlash is going to be tremendous right because that's going to create uh bland movies it's going to create uncreative movies movies that are just you know the same and it's going to hurt the bottom line so i don't see that future panning out um the best case scenario you want to talk about best? yeah well i mean i would say best case scenario is that we would see a version so you know how uh, media companies, right, like CNN, Fox, and stuff like that, back in the 90s and 80s, like they were it, right? They were the, you know, the, the arbiters of truth, right? But now uh, it's very easy for somebody to, you know, create blogs and stuff like that. And for independent journalists or journalists who actually used to be on CNN, to like venture out and, you know, start their own publishing, like little mom and pop shops, online, right? Like Substack. And so I think that would be best case scenario, but there's still the problem of how do you monetize your work, right? In that world. And I think that's where AI is really going to help because of the idea of having a personal assistant, right? Right now, we see it as, eh, it's kind of an okay personal assistant, but the reality is, you know, uh, it needs back-end development, right? So, if you just go on ChatGPT and say, hey, write me a story of blah, blah, it'll just come up with something bland, but if you use correct prompt designing, then you can get it to give good outputs, but for a writer or filmmaker, it's like, dude, they don't have time for that. They got to, like, They just need it to do this thing so that way they can save time because they just don't want to do that thing right now because they're, you know, doing something else that they love, right? They're more focused on the story. Um, And so, you know, what you're going to see probably in the next, like, year is you're going to see a lot of back-end, like, developers creating websites to where it just works, right? So you can just chat with it, and it gives you, like what you need, because it knows exactly what you need, because it was told on the back end from a professional, hey, this is what this user is trying to tell you what to do, right? It's a communication issue between people and these AI machines. But with back end development, you can maximize that communication so that it's so much easier to use AI as a partner. And if everybody has a partner, then people no longer have to you know, be an expert on something that they hate, right? Like I hate marketing and sales. I hate it to death, but if you're trying to do an app, you have to learn about marketing and sales, you know? So having an AI assistant help us with that, you know what I mean? Help us come up with the cheesy sales copy in a way that's not cheesy and speaks directly to the customers and whatnot, and can get us the right data that we need and also interpret that data for us very quickly and make suggestions, that would be extremely helpful. Uh, and then you can essentially become like an army of one an army yeah yeah good point yeah so that's kind of where i see best case but yeah worst case though uh absolutely what john said and or you know worse things in the future but the biggest threat that we have to contend with not tomorrow but today is what do you do in a world where the marginal cost of doing things and creating things right in knowledge acquisition is just super cheap and easy for anybody to acquire when you no longer need to call the plumber because now you have this like augmented reality device mixed with AI that's telling you how to fix your faucet, right? That's really great for the consumer, but what about the plumber? Right? And if this is everybody 360 well, now everybody has to deal with that existential crisis, and we don't have a solution for that, and that is happening right now at this very moment. So before Skynet happens, it's going to take our jobs, and so we need to think about how do we restructure our industries and how do we find personal success. And in my opinion, I think it's really just, you know, being that jack of all trades. Where yes, you're an expert in screenwriting, but we also know a decent amount about directing and cinematography and, you know, producing and marketing and sales, you know, those are going to be the key things for sure.
1: Yeah. Matt, I will still be calling the plumber. <laughs> 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 Even with all the information at hand, i do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thank you guys right. so much for being on the show. Thanks everybody for your comments and questions. Really interesting conversation. How can the listeners uh, find you and learn more about what you're doing? John and Matt.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find us at StoryPrism.io. Um, we're also on Twitter at Explore the Story, um, and where else are we at? I think it's uh, Facebook, Facebook as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Story Prism yeah, Just Facebook. check yeah, Google Story Prism and you'll you'll, <laughs> you'll 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 find all of us there.
1: Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today.
2: Yeah, yeah thank, thank you, you for having us out. Really appreciate this. Thank you guys Take for care. all the questions. Great.
0: Thanks for listening to Hollywood Wolfpack. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Please help our pack grow by sharing Hollywood Wolf Pack with your friends and colleagues. Give us a rating and write us a review. Kaya loves hearing from you and reads them all. For more on Kaya and the Entertainment Business School, visit entertainmentbusinessleague.com. Until next week, remember, the strength of the pack is the wolf and the strength of the wolf is the pack.